This episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast is brought to you by Templates for Fashion, an online marketplace where you can buy or sell digital fashion templates like fashion flats, brushes, repeating patterns, and more. Most files are just a couple bucks, and everything is vector and editable in Adobe Illustrator. Check it out at templatesforfashion.com and use code SFD for $5 of free downloads today. This summer for the podcast, we are throwing it back to episodes you love. So what I did is reached out to all my listeners and email subscribers and asked you, what are your favorite podcast episodes from Successful Fashion Designer and why? Today's episode with Trish from DG Expo originally aired in October 2017, and it's all about how to make the most out of a fashion sourcing trade show. A quick shout out to Ramona for nominating this one, who said, the very first and fave episode was 25. I was searching what to prepare for when visiting trade shows. I had booked a trip to New York City, to Tex World, and I had no clue what to expect. Needless to say, since then, I've binge listened to all of your other podcasts. I absolutely love them and have learned so much. Thanks, Ramona, for the nomination, and hope you enjoy this episode as much as Ramona did. Hey, everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 25 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I'm chatting with Trish Concannon, Director of Communications and Public Relations for DG Expo, a low-minimum fabric and trim sourcing trade show. Trish has almost a decade of experience working with startup designers, and in our interview, she shares how to know if you're ready to attend a trade show, what research to do before you go, and the most important thing you must do afterward to make the most of your visit. It's all about follow-up. It's all about, you know reaching out to the people you meet, getting business cards, um, and following through with it. Before we jump into the interview, I have a quick favor to ask you. Now, if you've listened to other episodes, my favor today is a little bit different. I wanted to first share a review I got from one of the listeners out there. This comes from Love from Austin, Texas. And Love from Austin, Texas says, As a senior fashion merchandising student, I have gained so much from this podcast, more real-world advice for working in fashion than I have ever gotten from my professors. Do yourself a favor and listen to every episode, then listen again and again. Thank you so much, Heidi. Wow, Love from Austin, Texas. I can't tell you how much that review means to me. And the favor I want to ask you guys today is to share this podcast with three people you know who work in fashion or who are interested in working in fashion. The more ears we can get on the podcast, the more value we can bring to everybody working in this crazy cutthroat industry. And it would really mean the world to me if you could share the podcast with three people. Take 60 seconds and shoot them an email right now with the link to the podcast. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. To access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com slash 25. Now on to the interview with Trish. 
Well, welcome, Trish, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I would love to have you start by introducing yourself to everybody and telling us who you are and what you do in the fashion industry. Okay. Hi. Well, thank you, Heidi. My name is Trish Conhannon, and I am currently with the DG Expo Fabric and Trim Show, and I am the Director of Communications and Public Public Relations for the show. Um, prior to coming on board with DG Expo, I was the Executive Director of a nonprofit organization called Fashion Business Incorporated, and we really were there to provide um, ongoing business education, consulting, um, really pretty much helping startup fashion designers through the whole process, educating them on every component of the business of fashion, how to be successful, how to launch a brand. Um, and so basically, in a nutshell, that's my background. Um, and I'm very uh, excited to join in on this podcast today. Awesome. So this is so great. I mean, you have such a breadth of experience and so many insights into the process of working with startup designers and all the stuff that they go through. Um, Can you, for anyone out there who hasn't heard of DG Expo, can you tell us a little bit about who you guys are and what exactly you do? Absolutely. So we are a B2B trade show, business to business. We are we, we are in five cities currently. So we, it's a fabric and trim sourcing show geared towards uh, sewn product industries, both apparel and home furnishings. Uh, we currently are doing the show in San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Miami, and Dallas. Uh, New York is our biggest show, which is semi-annually. And we've been um, growing. So Chicago is a brand new city. We're going to be there the beginning of December, December 6th and 7th. Um, basically, our exhibitors are wholesale suppliers, so we have mills, converters, importers, distributors. Um, the thing that we are known for is working with low minimums, which is, I think, made the show so success- successful because nowadays we have so many independent designers out there, so many startup brands. And when they go to the big sourcing shows like Magic, um, it can be a little overwhelming, and you're dealing with every country, and a lot of them have huge minimums, and it's really hard when you're trying to do the R&D process and, and get a, a product launched to, you know, um, basically what our exhibitors agree to do is offer low minimum. So we have some great suppliers with different types of product lines and fabrics and eco-friendly. And um, so it's, it's a really great mix of suppliers. It's a, it's a small show. I like to say it's kind of a boutique trade show because, you know, it's really easy to navigate. Um, and on top of the show, we do a seminar series in most of the cities. So, uh, educational topics geared mostly towards startups, uh, everything from product development to legal issues and, you know, protecting your brand, um, intellectual property, uh, you know, all kinds of different topics that, that will help educate people who are new um, and just getting started in the industry. Yeah, and that's so great. Um, it's something, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people on the show who work with um, startup or indie designers and the resources that are available to that sector of our industry and community has really grown over the past five years. I think it's become much more attainable um, to make it on that level for a long list of reasons. And you guys are providing such a great resource. Like you said, some of these other sourcing shows, I mean, I've been to Magic. I've also been to your guys' show and it's night and day in terms of like, the ability for me to navigate it and to feel like I can go up and talk to people and just feel a little bit more comfortable in in an industry that's so intimidating. So where I'd really love to kind of start now that we have a really good overview of what you guys are, um, what you guys do and who you are is like, let's pretend I'm a startup designer. 
like when would I, could you kind of walk me through your advice in terms of like, when would I decide, okay, this is the right time. I'm going to buy my plane ticket. I'm going to come to the show. And like, how can I best prepare to have a successful experience at the show and to walk away from it feeling like I got what I needed out of that investment? Um, so, so when do you see, like, first question, when do you see designers, um, when are they ready to sort of, you know, swipe their credit card, buy a plane ticket and come yeah. actually physically come to the show? Well, there's, there's two ways to look at that question because and it's a great question. Um, I always would recommend, you know what, check out these sourcing shows, even if you just have a concept. Because what you really need to know is, you know, you, you need to kind of get a feel for the industry, what things are going to cost. You might have an idea of a particular product category in mind. Um, you know, one of the most important things is costing your product. And this is one of the biggest mistakes I've seen with startup uh, fashion designers is not costing their product properly. And and in the long run, they're not making any money off of it. So I think going to a show like this, getting an idea, even if you're not ready to take out your credit card, you're not ready to purchase the product, mm. it's, it's, a good, um, it's a good tool for research, you know, and especially because we do offer the educational seminars for the, the brand new people. I would say it's never too soon to attend a sourcing show. So you get a feel for it. You take advantage of the courses that we offer, you know, get to know what some of these exhibitors have to offer, what the price structure is, and then... You know, after you go back and you're creating your line and you're ready to actually go out there and purchase the fabrics and the trims, then you have a better idea of, you know, what you're going to spend, who you're going to talk to. Um, so really, I don't think it's ever too soon to check out one of these shows. That's great. That's really great. And I think that it can um, just be a nice sort of icebreaker into the industry is just going there, seeing how things work in real life, meeting some people, like you said, going to the seminars, learning a little bit and, and getting a good overview of what's out there. Like you said, to reiterate the costing, how much does it actually cost? And then working backwards to fit that into your product and figure out what you're going to make in the price point. Um, so, so definitely good advice there. Um, and so when I, when I do come to the show, like what can I do to be prepared, like in talking to exhibitors? And I think sometimes, you know, the first time you're at a show, I've, I've been to shows for many years, but I remember the first time I went to a trade show, I feel like it can feel really nerve wracking to walk up to an exhibitor who, let's say, you know, you feel like they know so much, they've been in the industry forever. And I'm on the other side of the table and mm -hmm. I just feel like, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, how how can that conversation start or what can I do to prepare and, and to initiate some of those dialogues with those exhibitors so they take me seriously and, and I can learn and get the information I need out of them? That's a really great question. Um, what I highly recommend to anyone starting to go to a sourcing show is to educate yourself ahead of time. Um, you know, especially in the area of textiles, it's, you would be amazed at how many people um, you know, I met through FBI that wanted to start a line and they were asking where they could, you know, source things and so forth. And you ask them, well, are you doing a, a woven or a knit? And you'd be amazed at how many people <laughs> look at you blankly when you ask that question. And it's so basic that, you know, a lot of people, I, I would say just really kind of getting to know what is it that you're looking for? Um, research, you know, educate yourself on a little bit of textiles and, and, you know, we've, uh, we've done, we usually do uh, some type of basic textiles 101 course at the show. We like to do it the day before the show starts. Um, so sometimes you can get that at the show. But I'd say, you know, try to do your homework ahead of time because you want to know what you're asking for. Um, you want to make sure you're, you know, comparing apples to apples. And, you know, when you go in and you don't want to say, well, this is, you know, 
basically, I say bring fabric swatches too. If you, if you're doing your research and you know what you're going to produce and you want to do like a high end, you know, women's blazer, whatever it may be, you know, if you have fabric swatches of some sort, that helps. If you have a similar product that you're trying to kind of, I don't want to say copy, but, you know, do something along those lines, bring a sample with you. Um, but really just kind of, you know, there's, and, and actually there's a lot of, um, courses that I did through SEI on this and we did them in webinar form. And it's funny that you bring this up because this is something on my agenda that I want to start doing is in between the DG Expos, providing some type of education through webinars where we can reach people, preparing them to go to sourcing shows, whether it's our show, whether it's magic, text world, any type of sourcing show, I think people really need to educate themselves ahead of time. So there is information out there. Um, and this is kind of on my radar to get some kind of a webinar series going. We haven't done it yet through DG Expo, but I used to do this very frequently through FBI. So, um, you know, just making sure that you know what you're asking for, knowing the fabric width, knowing, um, knowing your stitches too. You know, what type of thread do you need to use with the type of, of fabric that you're using? What type of trims are you looking for? You know, just really kind of having an idea. A lot of people just kind of go in blindly without doing the research on what types of products work well together, you know? So, um, I don't know. I hope I answered that. Okay. But it's, it is a lot of uh, kind of doing a lot of homework ahead of time so that you you look educated and you look like a serious designer and someone that could be, you know, uh, another thing I wanted to add is a lot of these, um, these companies, uh, they're willing to work with low minimums because they see the potential in the, in you, you know, and, and so everyone's got to start somewhere. So um, it's all about creating relationships too on both sides. You want to make sure that you're creating really good relationships with the suppliers you're working with. So whether it be fabric suppliers, trim suppliers, manufacturers, you know, everything in this industry, in a lot of industries, it's all built on relationships. And, um, you know, so this is kind of the beginning point of all of that. And and if you come in and you know what you're looking for and you look like you're really a serious designer and you have a really great potential product, um, you know, you're going to have people that are excited to work with you. And they're going to work with you on certain areas that most, you know, some companies wouldn't. They might see the potential and see that you know what you're doing and think, this is someone I want to grow with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always good to educate yourself before going in and, and uh, meeting with these suppliers. Yeah. And I love that because I think it's so easy and this can happen on, on any scale with anything we do in life where we maybe don't go in prepared. It could be something tiny as going to a networking event and we build up the courage to go and then we, we go and we don't talk to anybody or we don't get anything out of it because we're, we just weren't prepared and we leave and we have these regrets of like, oh, I kind of wasted that or on a bigger scale, like I'm going to pay to go to this trade show. I'm going to spend money on a plane ticket in a hotel. And then I think it can be very easy to walk away from that with, oh gosh, I wasn't prepared or I just kind of made a jerk of myself, like talking to these people. And so doing your homework in advance and doing that research Mm -hmm. and putting in that effort. So you go in and that you can leave the event saying, God, I got a breadth of knowledge. I met all these great people and I got the resources that I need to kind of move on to the next step is going to be such a better feeling. So it does take a little legwork up front, but I think that's absolutely essential to having a successful show um, because it is really easy to go to one of these things and then walk away feeling like, oh, I just kind of wasted that or I didn't feel like I got as much as I should have gotten. Um, So great advice on that. Um, And so then when you're at the show, um, you're going around talking to people. I love the idea of bringing samples. Um, I mean, whether it be fabric swatches or, like you said, even an entire garment of something that is just maybe an inspiration um, to show that can be that can speak 
you know, a picture or a sample is worth a thousand words, right? So, um, absolutely, yeah, yeah, great way to to talk to the vendors and show them what you're working with. Um, at the show, I'm going around and am I, can, and can I expect to collect swatches or what does that really look like? What am I going to walk away with after the show, and, and what am I going to be doing next? Some uh, there there is a potential of, of walking away with swatches. It just depends on you know which vendor you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times they want to make sure that they're handing out swatches that are really people that, you know, could be bringing them future business. Um, you know, they're not going to see a group of students from, you know, one of the design schools coming in and hand out all their sample swatches to sure. them, you know, that type of thing. So it's kind of, I think on that end too, you know, you have some who are a little bit more, um, you know, wary of just handing out samples to just everyone that walks by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, if they, you know, if you stop and you create a conversation with them and, and, you know, know exactly what you're asking for, I think there's definitely, you know, people do walk away with, with sample swatches from these shows. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then and the follow-up yeah, too ahead. is really important. Yeah, uh, talk I was gonna, a little I'm bit sorry, about I was that. Follow-up follow too, you know, make sure you get the business cards of these different vendors. Um, and follow up, and, and that you don't have to make a purchase in and there, but, you know, knowing what you're asking for, you might take all of this information back to your hotel room with you and then kind of sort it, sort through it and then, you know, kind of revisit it, you know, even if it's after the fact, after the show when you're doing your follow-up, um, maybe requesting samples if you didn't get sample swatches from them. You know, there's there's just like with any trade show, whether you're on the sourcing end or you're exhibiting at a trade show to the retailers, you know, a lot of times people get, you know, I know I, I've kind of been through that end of it too, where people get really disappointed because they're not getting sales and it's, it's all about follow-up. It's all about, you know, reaching out to the people you meet, getting business cards um, and following through with it. Yeah. It doesn't end at that in-person meeting over that three-day trade show. There's definitely a lot that happens after that. Um, exactly. And so you mentioned, um, you, you might or might not want to buy at the show. So talk a little bit about that because I think that, um, you know, I, I, to be honest, I've, I don't go to these shows necessarily to buy, um, for myself, but just to source and just see what's out there for my clients. And so is, is the DG show somewhere where you can go and buy like right on site or place orders or, um, what does that look like? As a matter, yes, definitely it's an order-placing show. Um, the reason I said earlier, maybe, you know, like when you ask if there's a certain point that they should, when they're ready to attend a trade show, mm-hmm. so some might not be ready to buy yet, but they're doing their research, they're pricing things out. But it is definitely an order-writing show, and the and a lot of our exhibitors will have immediate products or lo- really low yardage if you're doing it for, like, the sample-making process or mm. testing um you know, so that's the great thing about our show that you're not going to find at some of the larger shows when you're dealing with people who have huge minimums. Um, and that's another thing I didn't mention early on is that all of our exhibitors have uh, an office in North America. So we're only deal- oh. dealing with North American companies. That's great. Um, so you won't, you won't find, you know, China and Bangladesh and all these other, you know, countries there. However, some of them may... Uh, get fabrics from these countries, but they are either the distributors or the converters. So you're dealing directly with an office in North America, which kind of helps with the communication barrier that you, you know, sometimes you go to these big shows like Magic and you might find a really good deal, but then you're having trouble communicating or they say, yes, they have something. And, you know, a lot of times you deal, there's that language barrier where everything is yes and it doesn't mean yes. (laughs) So that's the nice thing is that, you know, you're dealing with every, that's one of the requirements of our show is, um, 
actually going into the European market as well, but you're only going to find European vendors and North American vendors at our shows. Oh, that's great. Um, and so not only the language barrier, but also just like turnaround time is huge, not in just email communication. I know I work with a lot of vendors overseas and you have to wait a whole day sometimes between emails, but also just getting the delivery, getting the product, getting your, your fabrics, your trims to you. Um, they're coming, like you said, even if they may source from overseas vendors, it's all located in the U.S. or in Europe. And so your turnaround time to get the delivery is much faster, I'd imagine. Absolutely. You are totally correct about that. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of times if you're dealing with a, a country like, you know, uh, Italy, for example, you know, there are times when they'll just go on and take a month off and you yeah. don't hear from them at all. Yeah. And people are like, where's my fabric? You know, yeah. well, that's just something you need to, you need to know. There's certain countries that kind of shut down during their, <laughs> during their siesta time. So, yeah. you know, that's another thing that you're not going to deal with. Yeah. Chi- with Chinese companies. New Year is something I'm very used to dealing with. It's yeah. essentially everything shuts down for like two to four weeks. You're, you're not getting anything done. And it's something, if you don't know that, that can be a big slap in the face when you're like, wait, this is not on track and no one's answering me for a month. Um, So great reminder on that. Um, Okay. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit more about like the minimum specifics because, um, you know, a lot of designers that I talk to for whatever long list of reasons want to manufacture overseas or want to source overseas. And, and, you know, that's my expertise. Um, but that's because I've worked with brands that are established and have quantities that warrant that. But for a lot of designers, it makes more sense to start locally, whether that be in the U.S. or wherever they are, to start sourcing locally and to go into production with smaller quantities. Um, but for some reason, some designers just get in their head that they want to do larger production. So talk a little bit about why that can be a smarter direction to go. And then also, what do those numbers actually look like? Because you mentioned really large quantities at Magic versus low minimums at your guys' show at DG Expo. So what does really large versus low minimum really look like? Can we attach some numbers to that? Well, I mean, it depends from vendor to vendor, but I know most of the people at our show will work with just, you know, if someone needs us to do a test run and get a few yards of a certain fabric, most of them are willing to do that. Whereas if you go, you know, some of the bigger trade shows and you're dealing with companies from overseas, they might say, no, you have to buy 500 yards of this, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, it varies from company to company. So, um, but I know that with with the DG Expo exhibitors, they are very willing to work. I mean, we're known as the low minimum show, so they they know that they're getting startups. Now, not to say that everyone that comes into our show is a startup. We they do get a lot of the larger companies who come in and they get some really large orders there. But the nice thing is that they are willing to work with the small guys, and okay. and if that means you know I need five yards of this, that a lot of times they are willing to do that. Um, and you know, back to your your comment about when you're new, is it better to produce your goods and source your goods uh, domestically or overseas? I think a lot of times, you know, it's very difficult for people, uh, unless all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're out the gate, they're getting huge orders. It's hard to, to reach the minimums overseas. Now I, I've noticed a lot of, a lot of contractors in China and, and other uh, countries are lowering their minimums. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's that it's the control. It's, it's the speed to market. Um, it's, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, you have to cost in the shipping and the duties and, and <laughs> so forth. So when you're dealing locally, you don't, you don't have to worry about that. You could actually, it's a lot cheaper. So say you're in, 
I don't know, if you're in New York, you're producing in LA, you know, it's, it's a much quicker plane, plane ride and it's less expensive to come and do a check on, on your production rather than flying to China. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, and a lot of times you can find something locally. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're in California and you might find something, you know, here in Southern California where it's easy to drive to the factory to, to see what's going on. Um, unless you have, you know, someone who's got eyes and ears over at the factory. It's kind of it's a it's having control over your product development, um, having control over the speed to market. Um, it's just it makes a lot more sense when you're new. Not to mention, there's a certain cachet with the made in the USA thing too that a lot of people use that in their branding process. Um, yeah. So you know, I think when you get to a certain point and you are getting larger orders, and it might make sense to move your production, um, you know, and and move it to China or somewhere else because it might. You know, lower your your price, your your costing, and um, but I think when you're getting started, it just makes it so much easier uh, to have control over your production, having it here locally. Yeah, and I mean those those minimum numbers are great. I mean to know that you could go to the show and literally buy a couple yards. Um, I mean I think a lot of people listening, that's going to be like a jaw dropping. What I can actually do that? It it sounds like. Something that's, you know, if you need to buy a couple yards, you might have to go to a local fabric store and pay retail, but it really does exist. There are a lot of wholesalers out there that will work with you and sell you a few yards as opposed to, like you said, going to Magic and sourcing 500, which is an insane amount to swallow um, when you're first starting. And I and now one more note on that, I'll reiterate the duty thing because I know people who managed to figure out sourcing overseas and then brought their product in and didn't realize there was duty when it came through customs and duty can Mm -hmm. be upwards of like 30% plus. So an item that you thought was going to cost you $10 and you just ordered 500 of them now costs you $13. You have to add an extra 30%. So that can be an insane learning curve and something that can really financially break you if you don't really know what you're doing. Um, So a lot of those, those hurdles are, are taken down or lowered when you are manufacturing domestically. So great, um, great point. I'm bringing that up. Um, you've been in the industry for a really long time, um, with your experience with FBI and now with DG. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, what you've seen over the years in terms of what startup designers are doing and what's working to go from zero to, you know, launching their collection. Like what, what have you seen some designers do that's worked really well? Um, it's a, it's a very rocky road to go down and it's full of a lot of hurdles and it's, and it's a tough challenge, but it's definitely definitely doable. And so what advice could you give to designers out there listening to get started and to make it through that whole journey to launch? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of hurdles to hop, you know, jump through when you're, when you're launching a brand in this industry. And there's a lot of competition out there, but we've seen brands succeed. Um, You know, as I said earlier, one of the biggest issues we've seen is the costing, you know, making sure you do not forget anything when you're doing that cost sheet, you know, Mm. you know, figuring in a lot of people, you know, they figure the fabrics and the trims and then they're not figuring the the time, the overhead and so forth. That's one of the big ones. Um, Another thing that I always tell new designers is make sure you have a thick skin and take that constructive criticism well. You know, most designers are artists. And artists are very attached to their art, their Mm -hmm. design, Um, whether it's a painting or a piece of fashion, you know. And I've seen this um, happen on numerous occasions where people, they'll come in for a consult. And we had a lot of great industry consultants that worked with us at FBI who would, you know, say, well, you know, I think you need to change this and change this if you really, you know, 
you, you know, it's something maybe, it's, you know, if you want to sell this, this is what's selling. We've had sales reps come in and consult with new brands. You know, we tried to get the feedback from all different areas of, of the industry. And I've seen people get very upset and say, no, I'm not compromising my design. Well, you know, the thing is, is I understand that when you're creating something, you're very attached to it. But then it becomes a matter of, you know, is this, are you going to hang it in a gallery or are you going to turn it into a business and make mm-hmm. money off of it? Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing is, you know, making sure that, you know, do your research in the, like, you know, if you don't like to shop, you're probably in the wrong industry because you have to go out there and see what's selling, you know, <laughs> who's your competition, <laughs> knowing who you're up against. Um, everyone has competition of some sort. And so see what is, why is this particular brand selling so well? What are people looking for out there? Um, and, you know, if you go to a trade show and you're showing your brand to the retailers for the first time and a buyer says, hey, I might buy that dress that, you know, if you put a sleeve on it or, you know, taking that, again, it's, it's looking at this is the buyer, this this is the retailer who knows what's going to sell in her store. So, you know, if if you want to sell the product, you need to make sure that you are not getting offended by these suggestions, but realizing, okay, this person knows who her market is, who she's selling to, what they're going to buy. And if I have to add a sleeve to this particular dress in order to get this order, you know, that type of thing is, it's really about, you know, it, it's, it's tough because people get very offended by any kind of constructive criticism towards their design. But I think it's, like I said, it's a matter of, you know, being successful. You kind of have to look at, you're not the one wearing it. You know, you have to look at what's going to sell out there and, um, you know, taking that constructive criticism well. Yeah. And that can be like a really fine line because a lot of people are very happy to give critiques and give feedback and give their advice and their input and their opinion. But I think Mm -hmm. that it can be a really fine line as a designer to know, okay, that's good advice. I can really take that and make this product better versus trying to implement every piece of advice you get. You're going to just run yourself in circles into the ground and not make any progress. Um, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't want to compromise, compromise your product integrity either. You know, if you have a certain quality that you're trying to keep, you want to make sure that you're not, you know, maybe you, you might get a a potential order from, you know, lower end store who says, if you, you know, make it produce this with a cheaper fabric and so forth, you know, you kind of have to make these decisions as you go. Um, do you, you know, what is it that you want to be known for? You know, every famous designer is known, starts out with a particular signature piece that they're known for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a matter, it is, there's a fine line of, you know, you don't want to compromise your brand's integrity, but you also want to make sure that you, you can turn it into a viable business. Yeah. And so t- knowing what advice to take and how to kind of, you know, use that to create a successfully, you know, su- successful brand that's going to sell. Yeah. Um, uh, so you've been, I mean, you've been working with startup designers for many, many years now. I won't put a number in your mouth, but it's been quite a while, if I'm not mistaken. I've been working with, for about, since 2009, I've been with us. Okay, okay. So almost 10 years, not eight, nine, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, I'm curious to know, because um, I've heard a lot of different perspectives from various people in, in various aspects of the industry. How have you seen the climate uh, in fashion change as it relates to startup designers? I would say, you know, it's funny you say as it relates to startups because there's been, I mean, a, there, there's been a huge shakeup in the industry just in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, big sh- shift in consumer behavior, the way people are shopping, 
Um, what, what we've been seeing is a lot of the traditional large brands have been struggling, have been on the verge of bankruptcy and layoffs. And, you know, it's been very tough. The department store, you know, business is, is struggling. Um, you know, it's a little scary when you hear these, these industry reports on what's happening in the, you know, in fashion right now. It's intimidating for a startup brand. But what I tell people is on the flip side, I think it's these independent designers that are beginning to thrive. If you have a particular product that's unique, I think a lot of, uh, you know, consumers don't want to, in general, you're looking at, you know, if you study the millennials and, and this is a huge, you know, they're, they're taking over the market right now. You know, this is, this is a whole new generation of shoppers yeah. that want something unique. They don't want to particularly go into a Macy's and buy a blouse off a rack that there's 30 other of the same exact blouse. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that I'm seeing, you know, a lot of these little independent boutiques that have some type of an experience, you know, not just... Um, it's interesting. They, they they offer different, you know, I don't know whether it be a workshop or different experience. It's all about the experience of, of the shopping. You know, everything's gone online, but I think the boutiques that are doing well are the ones that are offering more than just racks of clothing. You know, come in and, you know, we're going to do a workshop in this area or or they have some type of other offering within the store. And with that, it's also these these really unique independent designers. I see that a lot of them are kind of up and coming and thriving. And I think it's it's... There's an opportunity, I guess, is what I'm getting at. You know, um, things are looking very glim as a whole with the fashion industry. But with that, if you can kind of get your finger on the pulse of the change and what's happening, you know, I think for the newer brands, there's opportunity because a lot of these traditional brands are hurting because they didn't change fast enough at the time. Um, So if you get in there while things are changing and and, and just make sure you, you know, Keep keep up with what's happening in the industry, you know, reading all the industry reports, reading the industry publications. Um, it's tough when you're new, though, when you're starting out and you're wearing a million hats and you're the <laughs> designer and you're the, you know, but, but I think there is, the, you know, because things are changing and if you get in at the, you know, kind of at the beginning of this shift, you know, you can really grow with it, if that makes sense. I don't know if I yeah. <laughs> say it that well, but no, it you know. does. And you hear a lot of people, like you said, you see a lot of these big headlines and, and it can feel very just depressing and discouraging. And, and I personally, from my audience hear a lot of, Oh my gosh, the industry is shrinking and dying and, ah, and a lot of, of, um, fear and panic. But at the same time, if you really step back, people still have to wear clothes, people still have to buy clothes. And so if they're not buying them, like you said, from these department stores, from these big box stores, um, you know, where are they buying them from and getting a pulse on that? And like you said, these little boutiques that offer these experience, these shopping experiences, um, or these unique designers that are providing something that there's not 30 of the same white blouse on the rack. Um, there is opportunity. And, um, and from what I've heard from various other people in the industry, that the startup and indie designers are thriving more now than they were five years ago. There's more opportunity for them to make it, which is amazing to hear. Really inspiring. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to the whole online thing, you know. So everything is going online. Um, and if you know how to market yourself and you can create a fantastic campaign for your brand and you know how to, you know, navigate social media and, um, and get to the right consumers, you know, you, we see so many people who are doing extremely well selling direct to the consumer you have much higher margins that way too you know if you're not selling wholesale and you're and you can reach um you know the right market online it's all about you know social media marketing there's so much opportunity um to reach people it's 
it's amazing. Yeah. Um, we had one brand that we were working with that was ju- designing a, a yoga pant, which we know there's a million, you know, new <laughs> lines of, <laughs> of yoga wear out there and athleisure. But she had something unique. She was an, a graphic artist and she would sublimate her original artwork on these yoga pants. And she happened to connect was she was very well connected within the L.A. yoga community and through her Instagram, um, you know, getting the right people to repost and, and getting celebrities to wear. You know, she just had this whole niche for she knew how to navigate social media and how to get how to grow her following. And, you know, the bottom line is she had a Kickstarter campaign that raised $98,000, which is really, that's really amazing for an apparel brand. You know, you see this with like tech, you know, really innovative types of products, but for fashion, you don't see that as much. So, you know, there is opportunity out there. And I think there's a lot of opportunity online. It's just knowing it's knowing how to navigate it, knowing how to get the right followers. Um, You know, and there's a lot of, I think Amazon now is also creating little, uh, you know, stores for these indie designers where there's opportunity. I know it seems like Amazon's taken over the world, but there's also (laughs) opportunity within Amazon to get your stuff launched out there. Yeah. Um, There's a very interesting, not to go off topic too much, but there's this interesting company up in in, uh, the Bay Area, San Francisco area called Beta Brand. I don't know if you, are you familiar with them? I am familiar with Beta Brand. I think it's kind of cool what they're doing as well. You know, helping people to launch like one design. You submit a, a sketch or a prototype and they get the, you know, people to vote on it and they get enough following, they'll produce it and then they'll sell it and you get a cut of that. And yeah. it's, I know the, the testing for people is you do give up the rights to that particular product. But at the same time, if you're having trouble getting exposure, it's a way to really kind of, it's kind of a launch pad for some brands too, I think. Yeah. So and just a lot of go ahead. innovative opportunities out there. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just saying a lot of different, you know, opportunities out there through um, online different platform yeah um no and that's a great great tip and great direction for a lot of people to go with something like beta brand there's also um, 19th amendment which operates in a similar fashion i don't know the nitty-gritty details of like how each of those is different but it's a similar type of concept where you put together your design um whether that be in like a sketch or sample format and then you put it out to their audience and they vote and then it can go into production and, and you work together with them to facilitate the whole process. So it can be a great sort of plug and play way to get started, to get your feet wet without kind of diving into the pool head first, not even knowing how deep it is. And you're all by yourself trying to figure out how to swim. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple things um, I want to uh, ask you about one, you mentioned earlier sort of keeping up in, in some of the industry news and keeping a, a pulse on what's going on in the industry. Do you have any like daily publications that you read or, you you know, I think it can get, it can get so over. I know my inbox is full of newsletters, and I'm like, ah. Sometimes I feel like I can't even open all of them from you know business of fashion or racked or like trying to keep up with what's going on. Um, you know, what's kind of your one stop shop for keeping a pulse on the industry? Absolutely, my my go to is the, the apparel news, the California apparel news, which is not just California. Um, they've been around for seventy some years, and it is you know it's it's circulated actually globally. Um, and, you know, it's, they really give you up-to-date information. So if you I, I have the same problem. I open my inbox and it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, I don't have time to open all these. You know, I'd love to, but, you know, <laughs> um, I, the, the apparel news is my go-to. Um, and you're going to, you know, they're, they're going to give you current information on what's going on in the industry, what's happening with, you know, retail, what's happening at different levels. Uh, and just, I, I 
think they've always been a very trustworthy publication. That's great. And I'll link to that in the show notes for everybody. Um, and then completely off topic from that, but something you mentioned a minute ago and when you were talking about that gal that did the yoga legging that was super successful and you mentioned um, she does the sublimation printing so at the DG Expo, you you said um, there's fabric suppliers and trim suppliers. Are there any suppliers who do custom development, whether that's around printing or custom developing various trims, or is it pretty much in stock, what you see is what you get? No, we do have service providers as well. Okay. So we've had sublimation companies, print companies. We have a few uh, companies that do like full package product development, especially geared towards startups. So say you're a new and it's overwhelming because you need to find a pattern maker. You need to find a sample maker. You, you're trying to source your product, your fabrics and your trims. So there are companies that go to all of our shows who will help you with that. Um, you know, they'll get you, they'll help to launch you even, uh, you know, there, there are a few of them who will even help you if you're, you have a concept in your head, but you're not a, an artist and you can't do the, the sketches and you need someone to help translate that, you know, they can help you from the very beginning stages. So, mm-hmm. um, and then once you get to a certain point, you know, they'll help get you into production. And then once you grow, you kind of, you know, you launch, you kind of branch out on your own, but definitely um, we do offer uh, various service providers in those areas who will help you get started. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and then outside of some of the custom development is most of the product that's available uh, in stock and, and stocked sort of regularly. So the fabric and the trim suppliers, if, if I buy something right now, and let's say I just need a few yards for sampling. And then in three months I'm ready to do production. I can go back and I know I can get all those, um, fabrics and trims. Is that something you see these suppliers doing a pretty good job at? Normally? Yes. Yeah. I can't speak for each one individually, (laughs) but, but yeah, you know, there are some, I mean, you can get, when you're sourcing fabrics, they're what we call jobbers who, you know, they'll, you can get really fantastic deals if you're doing, if you're going to do like one line, you find a great fabric, you get, you know, really great price on the yardage. Um, when you're going through a jobber, you know, you, you're never going to be guaranteed you're going to get that same fabric again. Mm-hmm. But it's great for someone who doesn't want to, you know, isn't worried about doing the repeats on that particular fabric. Mm-hmm. Maybe you find a great silhouette and you can move on to something else. So, but, yeah, most of our um, suppliers, uh, you know, like I said, because they're in North America, too, there's a shorter turnaround time if you do order from them. But a lot of them will have immediate that you can get at the show. Not all of them, but some of them do offer that. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. Um, so exciting to have you guys as this amazing resource in the industry. Um, I mean, one of the probably most common questions I get asked as far as um, as startup designers go is, how do I even start finding fabric or trims? Like they don't even know where to start looking. So, um, you know, like you said, maybe just look at the show and, and do some research and pack up a, a bag and, and go to the show and, and walk around and explore and see what's out there and start making some contacts and, and getting your feet wet in terms of what options you have to, to create your design. Absolutely. I mean, that's what's so great about the DG Expo is that it's, it's so easy for people. You can actually, you know, take the time and sit down and talk. You could, if you wanted to spend the whole two days, you could probably talk to every exhibitor and you can't do that at some of these other shows, no. like the entire, you know, Las Vegas convention center full of, <laughs> full of exhibitors. But, you know, it's definitely, I, and, and even before I worked uh, with Susan, you know, with the DG Expo, I've been at, been going to her shows since the beginning and, um, you know, and I just see how how happy people are to have found something so easy yeah. to you know to source that and and 
you know, between the startups I worked with at FBI and just being at the shows and doing seminars there and, and talking to people, it really has, you know, I Susan's really grown a, a great thing here with this show, and I'm very excited to be joining her team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, too, to your point about sourcing is um, she has also created a guide um, that you can purchase online or, or you can buy them at the shows. It's called the Sourcer's Guide, and it is absolutely fantastic for people who are trying to source not only fabrics and trims, but, you know, different, um, you know, sewing uh production facilities, um, again, all North American companies listed in here, but it's called the Sourcer's Guide. That's great. And um, you can find it on uh, aboutsources.com as the website. But, you know, it's, um, and I'm not just saying this to sell it because I work with Susan, <laughs> but when I was with FBI, I had this guide on my desk next to me at all times because I would get calls from members on a daily basis saying, I'm looking for this type of button or this type of fabric, or can you help me find you know, something I'm in, I'm in the Carolinas and I'm looking for a production facility. And I would rely on this book constantly to find, because it has very thorough descriptions of exactly what it'll list each company, you know, and exactly what they'll do. So if it's a production facility, they'll list every type of product they will produce for you. If it's a fabric company, they'll list all the different, different um, types of fabrics they offer and so forth. So it's very, um, detailed guide so especially for someone's new for someone who's new i think it's a really great um thing to have because then you could just you know at your own time browse through it and uh, has a lot of great contacts in it that's fantastic and i'll definitely put a link directly to that i'm looking at it right now it looks like a phenomenal book um you know some of those things are just priceless to have that as one-stop shop and you know it's all curated and it's filtered and it's organized versus how much time you can spend digging through google can just be insanely overwhelming um, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, and as we know, in, in this industry, people are a little closed-lipped about things, and a lot of these companies don't even have websites, yeah. you know? So it's like, <laughs> it's really hard. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack. So to have some, a comprehensive guide like that, um, you know, it's it's really a cool thing to have. And just a side note, too, now that I'm with Susan and, and uh, I'm I'm looking at redeveloping our websites because I know that they could use a little bit of a refresher. <laughs> so. <laughs> so that's the next project on the agenda. The to-do is, list uh, is always you know, long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, she's done so much on her own since she started this show. And I think it's absolutely amazing how she's grown it and how, you know, it's become such a successful um, sourcing event. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, okay. So quick question of something I thought about that you mentioned earlier, just quickly. Um, you mentioned the show's B2B. So as a designer, maybe I just have like an initial concept and some sketches and I'm still starting out. So what do I need to be prepared with to be able to get into the show? Do I need um, an EIN or an LLC or what do I need as far as like to present myself as a business and actually get access to the show? Not necessarily. So you can sign up. It's a very easy online sign up. We don't require any any particular. You know, you don't have to have a, an EIN number. Or oh, okay. You can register for the show. We we invite uh, students to come too because it's a good experience for them. But where you're going to need, where it's going to come into play, is not getting into the show. But is you know when you're dealing with these wholesalers, you know they want to make sure that you you know that you're not just some a home sewer who's making a dress for your mm-hmm. you know children that you know so that's that's where you may need it now some of them may be willing to work with you on that level too but it's really about you know these are wholesale companies and and you know it is a business to business trade show but we're very lenient about coming in and checking out the show because we know a lot of startups some people are just they need to kind of scope out the industry before they even dive in yeah. so we welcome people to the show 
Um, we don't have a lot of restrictions on attending at all. It's just a matter of you might need that, you know, it depends on the exhibitors that you're, the vendors that you're dealing with. They, you know, they might require that once you start to place orders. Okay. Well, that's good to know, though, because I know getting into some trade shows can be really tough. Um, so, yeah. so good to know there's not a lot of red tape. Um, and is the show free to attend or is there a fee? It is. It's absolutely free oh, to attend. Okay. You can sign up. We have all of our upcoming shows are now open for registration online. Okay. Um, so we have San Francisco, November 19th and 20th. We have Chicago, December 6th and 7th. New York City is January 17th and 18th. Uh, Miami is March 27th and 28th. And Dallas is April 25th and 26th. So That's great. Um, all registration is open. Um, now, there is a small fee for most of the seminars we do. Okay. Um, but the show is free to attend. Sometimes we do free seminars as well, but but we keep the cost very low. The average seminar price is usually $15, and we get some really, really valuable information, so it's worth every penny. Okay, yeah, that's um, very low. Yeah, so... But yeah, we, we welcome, you know, people, even if you, if you're looking to launch a brand and you're doing your market research and trying to figure out, you know, what's happening out there. Um, that's why we don't really put strict reg- uh, regulations on it. We want people to be able to come and check it out. And of course, you know, the, the vendors, they want to talk to people who are serious about, you know, buying and, and, uh, but you know, it's definitely, especially with the seminar series, we welcome people to come and educate themselves and, you know, get that great information. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, Trish, I would like to end with the one question I ask everybody at the end of the show, and that is, what is the one thing that nobody ever asks you about working in the fashion industry, but you wish they did? Well, one thing, it's kind of funny, this might not answer your question, but request the thing I always get People assume I'm a designer. I'm not a designer. I've never designed a line. Now, I do have a degree in apparel merchandising and management. I studied the business end of it. I've worked in, in wholesale sales, and I worked um, in production, and then, of course, with FBI. But it's funny. It's like the minute people think, oh, you work in fashion, they'll say, oh, did you design that dress you're wearing? And like, <laughs> I, I get this all the time. And it's like, no, well, there's more than just designers in the industry. It's an entire business, you know. Um, but I think, you know, the, the I, I don't know that... I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of a question that I wish was asked, but I think a lot of people have a misconception of the industry, um, that it's all glamorous and, and it's all, you know, and there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes and it's not all glamour. The fashion shows might look glamorous, but if you've ever produced a fashion show, it's a little bit of a, a <laughs> you know, stressful nightmare behind the scenes. Um, but I think, you know, over, I, I don't know, that might take a little thought about a particular question, you yeah. know, maybe just saying, hey, what's it really like? Is it really, you know, um, I, I don't gosh. No, that's that's I a great answer. I think you did a great job. And actually, what what I, what you said that I really loved was um, everybody just assumes you're a designer, and and I think it can be really easy to look at the fashion industry through a very narrow lens of it's all designers. And I think this is a great point yeah. to make, not just for people who happen to not work in the industry and ask questions about the industry, but people who want to get into the industry. And I think even they can have and 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 not to you know. Um, put them on a on a in the corner and just say, "Oh, you don't know any better." But like, it's very easy when you're wanting to break into the industry to look at it and think, "Oh, the only option is to be a designer." But there's so many other things you can do. I mean, yeah. what you said your degree was in, and this the experience that you've had, you know, a, a insane amount. You're still working in fashion. It's fun. It's you're getting to to do. You know, maybe always was your dream was to work in fashion, but you're not designing. So there's all these other opportunities and these roles and these jobs to work in the industry. 
without necessarily being a designer. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. You know, I was just thinking now after you said that, I've done a lot of speaking at colleges at design schools and, you know, had colleges come on field trips to FBI and to the California Market Center. And, and that's the thing I would, everyone, I'd say, what, what are you all looking to do when you graduate? And the majority of them, I want to be a designer. I want to start my own line. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you realize there are so many other, you know, job opportunities out there? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's really a matter of educating people on, you know, you can, you know, you can make great money as a sales rep, you know, pattern makers actually make a <laughs> heck of a lot more money than, than designers yes. because there's so many people wanting to get into design and, you know, assistant design positions, which is where you're going to start. You're not going to, you know, jump launch to the head of the line, but you know, they're, they're not very great paying jobs, but you know, pattern makers are in demand. And I always tell people explore these options, Yeah, you know, open your mind to what's out there because it's a huge industry. And like you said earlier, Heidi, we all need clothes. You know, this industry is never going to go away. Um, You know, there might be a shift in the way consumers are shopping and and so forth, but there's always going to be a fashion industry. And there are so many parts to this business. Um, that, you know, it goes way beyond. Actually, design is a small component of it when you think about it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you could be a beautiful designer. You could make gorgeous clothes. You could have a great, you know, great eye for designing. But if you don't know how to sell it, how to turn it into a business, how to cost it properly, if you don't, if you can't do all that, then really it is just a hobby. Um, so looking, I always tell students, especially, you know, educate yourself on every part of it. If you're doing an internship, don't just close your mind to like, well, I want to be a designer, so I only want to get an internship in design, you know, learn every aspect of how this, this industry operates, because it's going to make you stronger, whether you're launching your own brand, or whether you want to just uh, move up the ladder with a big company, you know, the more you know about every component, the more successful you're going to be. So yeah. you can't just know one little piece of it and expect to succeed. You've got to know the whole supply chain, the whole gamut of this business. And it's, um, it's very exciting. It's very, it's a little complex, you know, um, there's a lot of components to it, but, um, lots of opportunity as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. Not to overwhelm everybody, but there is a lot going on and, and you learn it slowly over the years. You kind of never stop learning, which is one of the fun things about working in this industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Trish. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, where can everybody find, uh, you guys online? Okay, so uh, the DG Expo website is dgexpo.net. That's D for designers and G for guide, which is where the name originated. Um, There was a designer's guide that Susan came out with before the trade shows began. That's great. So dgexpo.net, the book I mentioned uh, is aboutsources.com. Please follow us on social media. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is at dgexpo. And uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. And DG Expo is, you know, we're out there. And I'm uh, really excited to see all of you at the shows. Awesome. <laughs> We've got five five cities to choose from. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting time right now. Yeah, that's great. And I will, um, again, put links to all of that in the show notes and everything you referenced throughout the, the chat for everybody to click through and discover what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Trish. It was really fun to learn about all of this and, and appreciate all of the advice and inspiration you have to offer everybody out there um, working on their collections. Thank you so much, Heidi. It was my pleasure, and I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 25. And since you made it this far, you must have liked the episode. 
Did you know that one of the greatest ways you can say thank you and help spread the word is by sharing this podcast with others who are working in the industry or are trying to break into the industry? If you could do me a favor and share the podcast with three people that you know, it would mean so much to me. I get tons of amazing feedback from you guys and how much you love the show. You tell me all the time. So I want more people to be able to gain insights and gain real-world advice about working in the industry. And the best way we can do that is by you guys sharing the podcast. So if you can do me a favor and take 60 seconds and email three friends who you know would love the podcast, I would be so grateful. Thanks so much, you guys. I really appreciate your help and continued support.